Christianity or Christianity for dummies or anything like that. That's not what it is. It's just a real solid foundation. So I would say if you're new to the faith, if you've just reconnected with the Lord, or if you're still checking things out, come to Alpha. It'll be really good. I have a question. Tell me the world record for the largest, the, the biggest number of monogamous marriages. Biggest number of monogamous marriage marriages. What? I, well, they can't be at one time because then it would be polygamous. So serial, this guy has been married X number of times. Married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced. What's the biggest number? What's the record? 90, no way. That's way too high. What? 25 is very close. 29. Glenn Wolf, also known as Scotty Wolf, probably so some of his ex-wives could not find him, holds the record for the largest number of monogamous marriages at 29. His shortest marriage lasted 19 days. His longest lasted seven years. Guess what his job was? Baptist minister who resided in California. Uh, his final marriage was on TV. They think it was probably just a publicity stunt. He only stayed with his wife for a week. This is what one of his sons said. Um, his father married so often because he was against living in sin and was picky and stubborn. He divorced one wife for eating sunflower seeds in the bed, he said. John Wolfe, that's the son, barely knows any of his stepmothers, never even met his own mother, who was wife number 14. He's also unsure of reports of his father really had the 19 children, 40 grandchildren, and 19 great-grandchildren are true because he never met any of them. This guy, Glenn Wolfe, died uh, about 10 years ago, and he died in a nursing home. Nobody ever visited him. Um, he actually, the state had to bury him. No, no, no one in his family claimed him, took any responsibility for him or anything like that. And I say all that to say this, just because you do something a lot doesn't mean you do it very well. <laughs> Glenn Wolf was married a lot. Apparently, he was not very good at it, though. And the same thing is true for us. If you've ever done anything that required a repetitive technique, swinging a golf club, a tennis racket, baseball bat, you know that just because you do it a lot, it doesn't necessarily make you better unless you're doing it right. You've all heard practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. You're practicing the, the, the wrong thing over and over again. And the same thing is true about relationships. I'm going to get about as practical as I can this morning, this issue of relationships, and really talk about what are the things that keep us from doing relationships well uh, they say that the average person has 290 social connections. And most of us spend a good bit of our time relating to people, whether those are people we're close to, whether those are acquaintances, strangers, whether it's professional, personal, whatever. We spend a lot of time in relationship with other folks. And we can think that just because we do it a lot, we do it well. But that's not necessarily the case. There's some things in our heart that if we don't deal with, we'll sabotage every relationship we have eventually. And that's one of the, a couple of those things I want to look at this morning. This is Romans 12, 18, just one verse this morning. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Just a little bit of groundwork. Peace in the Bible is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of harmony. So, for instance, right now, the United States and Russia, we're not at war, but there's not peace in the biblical sense. There's no harmony between us 
right now. Peace in the Bible, again, it's not just that. It's not just the absence of conflict or the absence of war. It's the presence of harmony. And um, this passage is very realistic, if it is possible. Relationships are two-way deals, and you're only responsible for you. You can't be responsible for them. There's two free wills involved, yours and the other, and you can't do anything about that. That's out of your hands. Some of you are, feel, are feeling guilty about a relationship that's broken. It's not on you. It's, it's on them. You can't fix the other person. It's, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you. And there's a point where it does not depend on you anymore. Now, that's not to let you off the hook and say you don't really have to try, but there is a point where you get to where you say, you know what, this doesn't depend on me anymore. This depends on them. And actually, in the broader sense, even in our relationship with the Lord, that's still true. He's given us free will, and at some point, there's a line, and he says, as far as it depends on me, on God, I've done what I can do to make things right between us. Now it's up to you. I've offered you forgiveness. I've demonstrated my love. I've done all of these things, but at the end of the day, you have to engage me as well. And that will be true of everyone who has ever lived. Nobody's going to be able to blame God for whatever happens to them at the end of life because he's going to say, as far as it depended on me, I did what I had to do. And that's the same thing for us. As far as it depends on us, there's just some stuff that we need to take care of. So just real quick, first thing, most important thing, communicate clearly. Most of us, if I asked you, do you communicate well, we're all going to say yes. But then how come we have such a, so many misunderstandings? If we're all good at it, we shouldn't have so many problems. If you think of a conversation as having kind of four equal parts, four-fourths, you're responsible for two of those. You're responsible for what you say, and you're responsible for what you hear. The other person is responsible for what they say and is responsible for what they hear. You're responsible not just for what you say, but also for what you hear. And I think all of most of our communication issues come down to the fact that we, I didn't hear what you think I heard. I didn't hear what you said. Things somehow get twisted between your mouth and my brain. And that never gets clarified. And so we wind up doing this down the road. And it very, without getting into the psychology of why all of that happens, and if you get into that, you can research that and see all the things. It all has to do with how you grew up like everything does. And all of these issues that affect how we listen and how we hear and how we understand, the easiest thing to do is just to fix it without getting into all the whys. Just communicate clearly, which gets down to what you tell your three-year-olds. Tell the truth. Just tell the truth. I, I've been married for 11 years, and I'm very thankful for that. And I think I did this when I was dating, and so I can say it, but even if I didn't, I think it's still true. Flirting is demonic. There's no reason for that. If you're dating, if you're not married yet, just be honest. Communicate your intentions with somebody, guys particularly. If you're a single guy and you're interested in dating a girl, just tell her. The worst thing that's going to happen is she's going to say no, and you're going to feel dumb, and then you'll get over it. That's it. You play the game, she's going to say no later. Just go ahead and get it over with. It's like pull the Band-Aid off. Either she likes you or she doesn't. The games are not going to help you. And the same thing is true in a marriage. We don't flirt when we're married anymore because they're stuck with us. But we still play the same games. 
we manipulate and we're coy and we, we, you know that, we bargain and we leverage and we do all of those things to get what we want. It's the same thing as when you're dating. You just have more things to play with when you're married. You've got more tools at your disposal. And that's what we do. And you know that. Don't. Just be honest. If, if for my side of the street, if I would just be honest, it would clear up an enormous amount of confusion in my relationship. And the second thing is when I'm, what I'm hearing, this is simple too. Just ask questions. Ask clarifying questions. You all learned that in your psychology 101 when they taught you about how to be a good listener. So what I hear you saying is, it feels dorky to do that, but in time, it won't, and it will eliminate a massive amount of misunderstanding. Because I guarantee, a lot of the time, what you hear them saying is not what they're saying at all. It's not. That might be the words that are coming out of of their mouth, but that's not what's going on in here. And if you just take two seconds and ask, did I hear you right? Is this really what you're saying? Is this what you want from me? Is this how? Just do that. It'll clear up a ton. So the first thing you got to do if you want to live at peace with people is you have to communicate clearly. The second thing you have to do is forgive and then forgive and then forgive and then forgive again. Not forgiving one person will affect every relationship you have. We talked about this last week. We're a whole. We can't keep things compartmentalized for very long. And you might say, I hate my mom. And that's separate from everything else. But it's not separate from everything else. Eventually, that is going to bleed over into everything else. Ask the people who know you, and they'll tell you it already has. You're not doing nearly as good a job as keeping that isolated as you think you are. If you don't forgive people, what that does, um, I was talking to somebody this week, and he was saying, um, not forgiving someone, it's just like keeping an open wound on your body that lets all this bacteria in. This open wound on your arm, it just lets in all of this bad stuff that you would not normally be susceptible to. Unforgiveness is the same thing. It's an open wound in your heart that lets the enemy, it just, it's an open door that says, come on in and bring your friends. And that's what he's going to do. Bitterness, resentment, jealousy, self-pity, entitlement, all of that stuff will come if you are unwilling to forgive. And that makes you not fun for anybody to be around. The resentment, the entitlement, the self-pity, all of those things make you act like a two-year-old. Seriously. You're like a two-year-old and you whine all the time. Bitterness makes you grouchy. Nobody wants to be around a nasty person. The jealousy makes you suspicious. It makes you unable to be happy for other people. And if you act like that, it's no wonder that you don't have very many deep relationships. People don't want to be around folks like that. It's going to bleed over. And you may say, well, you don't realize what was done to me. And I don't. I have absolutely no idea, and I'm sure it was terrible. But the Bible is very clear. We have to forgive every time. There aren't any special cases. There are no footnotes. You have to forgive unless this was you. If Jesus can forgive the people who killed him, well, you're still alive. So you can forgive the people who did whatever they did to you. And that does not make light of any pain or tragedy in your life. I'm just telling you that it is what it is. If you don't forgive, that unforgiveness will, it opens the door to this infection and it will ruin every single relationship you have. Those of you who have children, if you've got a bad relationship with your parents, you've probably already seen the pull to treat your children the same way. 
and you say, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to be like my mom. I'm never going to be like my dad. But if you haven't forgiven them, you watch. You're going to pass that stuff on. That's just how it works. That's a spiritual law, and we can't, you can't get around it. You have to forgive. might not be easy, but it's simple. You have to communicate clearly. You've got to be willing to forgive. And the last thing, if you want to live at peace with people as much as it depends on you, you have to be willing to extend grace to other folks. Sometimes, particularly with certain people, we're quick to jump to the worst possible conclusion. We're quick to believe the worst about what somebody else said. It's ambiguous. Some people, you, you give them the benefit of the doubt. There are others, you jump on them and think the absolute worst. And if you do that, you're setting yourself up to be easily offendable and to be judgmental. And again, that's going to bleed into every relationship you have. You, if, if you're someone who doesn't extend grace to other folks, who doesn't give people the benefit of the doubt, who doesn't say, I'm going to look at this in the best possible light, Instead of the worst possible light, you're going to be someone who's constantly getting offended. Someone's always out to get you. You're always being attacked. Your feelings are always hurt. She's always so mean. He's always do- That's what you're, you're going to become, that person. And you're going to be really judgmental. And again, that's not something you can compare. I'm going to judge them because they deserve it. I'm not going to judge anybody. You can't do that. It bleeds over. And in the South... Kind of what we do is we can say whatever we want about somebody as long as we end it with, bless her heart. Everything is fine. I can call you the worst. I can ream you for 30 minutes, but bless your heart. And everything's fine. It wasn't gossip then. I wasn't, I'm blessing you here in your heart. It doesn't work. Just because you tag that at the end, it doesn't mean that everything you just said was okay. There's a, James 3 has this big chunk on the tongue and how destructive what we say can be. And part of it, about the middle, James says, how great a, or consider how great a forest is set on fire by a small spark. And that's what our words can do. And you really only have two choices. You can be someone who stokes a fire or someone who smothers it. Because you're going to hear things, especially in a town like you're going to hear things. And then you have a choice. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to stoke that fire or are you going to put it out? And that's up to you, and there's temptation there either way. When we talk about gossip, that seems like a third grade sin. Like, well, I'm not, I'm older than that now. That, those, I've got bigger things that are going on here. Gossip is for 12-year-old girls. That, no, we still wrestle, again, especially in a town like Marietta that's so small. There's a lot of that that goes on, and some of you are in the middle of that, and you know, we all know who the highways are, and we know who the roadblocks are. And we know when we want to go to a highway to find out what's going on, and we know we wish our stuff would go to the roadblocks and would stop. So what are you going to be? Are you going to be someone who stokes a fire or someone who puts it out? And Again, and sometimes even as Christians, we can gossip and call it um, sharing a prayer request. Let me just share with you what's going on with him over here so you can pray. And then I give you their stuff and then say, bless her heart, and then I feel good about myself. And I can hang up the... Seriously. Those are the things that rip relationships apart. They do. They rip relationships apart. And we're all old enough to know what we should share and what we shouldn't. That's not rocket science for any of us. And most of us feel bad when we're sharing things we shouldn't. And that's the Holy Spirit trying to say, shut up. Just don't. I was thinking about, um, I had a kind of a picture in my head about our body. 
and it was a piece of fabric, and the ends were starting to fray. And to me, that's what happens with relationships. Just the ends start to fray. Most of our life is spent in connection with other people. Most, just about every command in the New Testament is a command about how to treat someone else. Almost all of the yous in the New Testament is, is, are y'alls. It's written to a group, and it's how we're supposed to relate to one another. You can't be a Christian on an island. It's all about how we relate to the Lord and how we relate to one another. And if we allow these little things, all that, that's just fraying edges, whether that's in a marriage, whether that's in a family, whether that's at work, with friends, in church, in the community, whatever, all of these little things, all that, it's just the fraying edges, which eventually will unravel the whole thing. I think it, it's John 15, I think, maybe 13, where Jesus says, these guys, the world will know you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. Paul says it a different way. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And if you just real simple, real practical, communicate clearly. Be honest in what you're saying. Don't hide. Don't try to be coy. Don't shade. Just be honest. It is what it is, and the consequences will be what they are. Big deal. You'll move on. Ask questions. If you don't understand what somebody's saying, particularly this is the closer you are to somebody, I think the more important to ask the questions because you assume a lot. Well, I've known them for this long, and I know what they mean. Maybe, maybe not. Ask questions. Second thing is you've got to be willing to forgive. That's the biggie. And you have to be willing to forgive over and over and over and over again. There's not a limit. Well, I've forgiven them X number of times. Jesus says you've got to keep doing that. And you might have to forgive the same person over and over again for the same thing. It might take you a while to really get to a place where you've truly forgiven them. And that's okay as long as you're working towards it. Otherwise, that unforgiveness is an open sore and it's going to allow all kinds of bad stuff to contaminate every relationship you have. And then the last thing I would say is you've got to be willing to extend grace to people. There are folks that rub you the wrong way, just like there are people who rub me the wrong way. And those are the easy ones to jump on. And those are the ones that are, it's more important to extend grace. People who you love to be around, people who make you feel good, all that, it's easy to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's all the jerks that's difficult to do that to. And those are the people we've got to be willing to extend grace to. Don't assume the worst. Just like you don't want people to assume the worst about you, don't assume the worst about somebody else. Just like you don't want somebody to, give, to attribute the worst possible motivation to something you've done, don't attribute that to somebody else. Give them grace. And then don't be, a, be someone who smothers fires, not someone who stokes them. Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love cover, covers over all wrongs. And kind of the picture there is lo, it, love puts out the fires. Everybody is your friend or they're your enemy. They're one or the other. And Jesus says you've got to love them either way. The command to the friend and the command to the enemy is the same. You love your friends and you love your enemies. And love covers over a multitude of wrongs. Let's pray. It wasn't um, necessarily kind of a super spiritual deal that we talked about this morning. But I think it's important 
just if we're gonna if we're gonna say we're Christians, if we're gonna say we're trying to love people, I think there's some practical things that we need to do. I've heard a lot over the past month about people whose relationships do seem to be kind of starting to fray. I think we just need to take responsibility kind of for our side of the road. As far as it depends on us, we want to live at peace with other people. Uh, we'll have some guys up here for prayer. And I would say, if, you would, if there's somebody who you're not living at peace with, and you want us to pray about that, we would love to pray with you about that. If there's someone in your life that you haven't forgiven, for sure we want to pray with you about that as well. That can be a that can feel like a big rock that you're trying to push up a hill and we want to pray with you about that. The Lord will give you the grace to forgive them even if you can't see the way how in the world that would happen. He's asked us to do it and so he'll enable us to do it. And I would also say um, particularly if there are married couples here and you're just missing each other. You're, you're speaking French and she's speaking Spanish and it's just it's not happening. Uh, we want to pray for you as well, uh, that the Lord would put you on the same page and that you'd be lined up behind him and his purposes. So uh, we're going to, Derek and the guys are going to sing a song, uh, just a ministry song. Y'all feel free to respond at the end of the song. I'll come back up and cut everybody loose. God, I do pray now um, that you would work in our hearts. We want to be people who love well. God, we want to love people who are easy to love well, and we want to love people who aren't easy to love. Well, and I pray for all of us, and if we all have 290 relationships, that's a lot of relationships represented in this one room. And I pray that as far as it depends on us, if it's possible, that we would live at peace with all 290 of those people that we're in relationship with. God, if there are just some kind of some fundamental flaws in our own heart that are sabotaging relationships, I pray that you would show us that, and that we would repent of those things and that we will begin to love well in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stand up. If the ministry teams would come forward.